Mike Hill here. This is a uh, Plague Diaries special. And uh, the reason why I did this is um, I was thinking that I just got my second vaccination a couple days ago, and this seems like closure to the whole Plague Diary uh, concept that I launched in the beginning of the pandemic back in 2020. And um, yeah, I got my second vaccination. I got the Pfizer vaccine uh, on Thursday. And uh, so far, I feel pretty good. Um, you know, that this all comes in light of uh, some news uh, that the CDC is going to be uh, lifting mask regulations uh, indoors. And, um, you know, apparently we're at the beginning of our journey back to having relatively normal lives, you know, and I say that hesitantly, I guess, uh, you know, because, um, yeah, the last 14, I don't know, 14 months, 15 months have been a real test for everyone's resolve. And, uh, some people didn't make it. I mean, um, we lost a large amount of people and, uh, you know, friends of mine that I know, Though no one that I know directly has died as a result of uh, COVID-19, there are definitely people in my circle of friends who have lost loved ones, and it, it was real. You know, despite what the right-wing media, how they want to frame all this stuff, this is actually real, you know, and idiots like Ted Nugent, you know, it's there's some sort of cosmic justice to the fact that he actually ended up uh, getting infected and had a really hard time you know, with the coronavirus or COVID-19. It's funny, man. I, I used to love Ted Nugent when I was a kid. I mean, hell, in, into my adult life. I who, who doesn't like a record called Intensity in 10 Cities live? I mean, I've always been a big Ted Nugent fan. I've always been a big Amboy Dukes fan, like that kind of thing. But uh, fuck him, man. Uh, <laughs> fuck him and his right-wing politics. And I'm getting rid of all my Nugent records, man. I'm going to sell them, you know, I'm going to get or give them away or whatever, donate them, you know, to some record store somewhere. But uh, yeah, it's it was real, man. You know, and I remember back when I first started doing the Plague Diary, none of us had any idea how any of this stuff was going to play out. You know, this could be, you know, just that creeping sense of anxiety. I mean, in the very beginning, I was still living in Brooklyn. You know, could I, I didn't even want to leave the apartment. I would go up on the roof. I would look out onto this, you know, onto the city. I'd see people. I'd see the subway off in the distance. Uh, pretty much everything was being delivered at that point. Um, you know, every now and then I would just get stir crazy and take a walk. I was working from home, which I'm fortunate. I feel fortunate and grateful that I was able to remain gainfully employed throughout this whole thing you know once again a lot of people I know uh, a lot of people I know a lot of people that do freelance work and gig work you know people that work as uh, touring you know managers sound men uh, road crew types that rely on touring and the entertainment industry for their livelihood and they had a really tough time you know as well as I know people that are also essential workers that were busy and putting their themselves at risk on a daily basis. And, you know, my heart goes out to them too, man. And they, they had a hard time. And I feel fortunate, man, that, you know, I didn't need to be on the road. I didn't need, I don't make my living, you know, from, from touring. 
um, sadly, <laughs> but I, I stayed home. It was safe. I didn't really have to go anywhere. Um, you know, if I didn't physically put myself in any danger, um, you know, I mean, there's the emotional component of, of all that isolation, which I'm still dealing with really. I mean, uh, you know, that, that, there's just so many impacts to this whole thing. You know, there's like the, the health impact, people who got sick, people who died. There's the emotional impact. So people who might've lost someone, you know, and then of course, just that chronic stress for the last 16 months or whatever, however it's been 15 months of just always feeling anxious, not knowing what was going on. You know, the, the, the news reporting things, then changing, you know, having a fucking madman running the country who would who would deny the fact that this was actually a real virus, that it was some, you know, conspiracy against him that the Democrats cooked up. And then finally him coming on board with that halfway through this and his, you know, Trump's, you know, not not to get into this Trump, anti-Trump rant again, which I've been wont to do on these podcasts, but, you know, Given bad information, always thinking about his own end game as opposed to trying to help people, you know. And you know, hell, even my dad, who is a uh, die-hard conservative Republican, right-wing Trump supporter, agreed that Trump did not handle this the right way. Or he's like, "Well, maybe he didn't do this the right way. Maybe that's a whole other story." <laughs> but yeah, man. I feel like a sense of closure, I guess. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how, we'll see all, how, how this uh, vaccine that we all injected into our bodies uh, plays out. I mean, I'm trying to stay optimistic about it. Uh, you know, everything's on a sharp decline. The last I looked, there's like a 30, minus 30% uh, hospital, uh, actually minus 30% new cases, hospitalizations are down, deaths are down. Uh, the UFC had a, an event in front of 15,000 people down in um, in Jacksonville, Florida, and apparently there's been no spikes in cases down there either, you know. And, yeah, it's just, in you know, in light of things opening up, in light of, uh, you know, this kind of return to a, or an attempt to return to a normal life, I just wanted to drop this out there. I'm not, I'm not going to make a big deal out of this episode. I mean, we've been doing a lot of other really good work, so... You know, if you subscribe to the show, you'll get it. You know, I'm not going to put this out there as any kind of real, you know, oh, check it, check this out. You know, it's like if, you, if you're hearing this, that means that you're on board. You've been you've been following this show for a while. You know, you're you're someone who, uh, you know, is has been part of this experience for a while. And, um, you know, this is for you guys. And it's just like I just wanted to share some of my feelings, you know, um, I didn't, I didn't have any real uh, side effects with uh, the vaccine. The first time around, I, I would say it's about even between the first and the second shots. Uh, just a little bit of fatigue, um, you know, a little bit of a headache. Uh, feel a little slow, that's about it. No fever, no, um, nothing really extreme. You know, I know that people were experiencing, you know, body aches and, and high temperatures and all that sort of stuff. And I, I didn't get any of that stuff. I just, like I said, on Thursday at around two o'clock in the afternoon, I just laid down. I slept for two hours, you know, and then 
I just kind of took it easy, man. Like I norm, you know, normally I got all kinds of stuff going on, but I just laid low, stayed home, watched some movies, you know, read, you know, today's Saturday, which is the third day. I woke up this morning, slept in a little bit, uh, went out for a little while, went down to Whole Foods, bought some food. I've been editing these podcast episodes. Uh, I'm going to work on some music, and then later I'm going to go walk out in the park, you know, get some fresh air, that kind of thing. It's taking it easy. But yeah, I, um, you know, once again, I, I'm, I'm assuming that if anyone who's listening to this show is probably not a, uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't fall on the right conservative side of things because if you did, you probably wouldn't stand for some of the rhetoric that I've been putting out there and you probably would have bailed. So, you know, I just hope that everyone out there is safe and uh, has at least taken this thing seriously and has, and I can just say that my experiences with the vaccine have been positive. Um, I'm going to share some information that's like kind of, you know, I, I don't recommend, I didn't recommend anyone do this, but I, I, I stayed negative throughout this whole thing, man. Like I got tested every two to three weeks, negative. And, and I am surprised that I, I didn't get sick, honestly. And, um, you know, but I feel fortunate that I stayed healthy through everything. Getting vaccinated added another level of, uh, you know, just peace of mind, I guess. And I feel like this gigantic weight has been lifted off of my shoulders and I can, you know, start regularly seeing my family again, uh, start going out into the world. Um, and even that is like mentally such a huge step in some ways because I've, I've spent, you know, the last year plus isolated. You know, I, I barely anyone comes here just to, to hang out or do anything. I barely go anywhere. Um, I've been working at home, not even going to the office. And I guess like in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to start, you know, going into the office to work a little bit. And, um, you know, I've been going to band practice. I've been training Muay Thai. Um, you know, those are the only contact I have with the outside world, really. I have tickets to see ministry in October. <laughs> so that that should be interesting. Um, I'm hoping that I get to go out again for, before that. You know, I hope that there's shows. Uh, I did not go to that Madball show. Um, I mean, under normal circumstances, I would not go see Madball, really. I mean, that's not... Yeah, you know, respect. I mean, I think they're, they're, they're a good band. It's just not my cup of tea, really. But, uh, you know, there was this big controversial um, show a few weeks ago in, in Tompkins Square Park in New York. And uh, my, my co-host, Mike Scandato, over at Necromaniacs on a couple episodes ago, he went on a, um, I wouldn't say it was a rant, but it was uh, bringing people up to speed and what actually happened during that day. And, uh, you know, just, just in the spirit of, um, of being someone who's involved in the underground music world, I, I support what they did. Uh, I think that maybe the visual of, you know, the whole, the whole visual, if they waited maybe until like now to do that show might've been better, but you know, I, I'm of the opinion that it was outside, you know, the CDC has indicated that it is pretty safe to be outside without a mask. 
you know, I probably wouldn't be slam dancing or stage diving during, uh, you know, during that period of time just to stay safe. You know, if you want to wear a mask, that's cool. If you want to stay home, that's cool. If you don't want to wear a mask, that's your freedom outside, you know. And um, I mean, let's let's face it. For a while now, you've been able to eat inside without a mask. And people don't seem to have a problem with that. So why not be able to go to a show outside in the fresh air under the sun without a mask? I mean, let's face it. You go to eat at a diner. You got to wear your mask. You walk in to get seated. You take off your mask to eat. And you're in an enclosed space. You know, um, I don't know. That seems dangerous. If, if you're of that mindset that you think that you should be wearing a mask at all times. Um, so, yeah. But once again, man, I, you know, I'm all about like freedom. And if you want to do that, that's great. You know, but don't. I, I just think that it was a little extreme. The scrutiny and, and just the call outs, you know, and trying to connect this to some kind of pro cop like right-wing sort of uh, anti-vax thing. Now, John Joseph is an anti-vaxxer. That guy, um, <laughs> you know, I, th- I think that guy, re- I-, I, don't, I don't back John Joseph at all, actually. I think that mostly he spreads a lot of false information about the Cro-Mags, about his involvement. And, um, you know, I if people want to criticize him personally, because I know he tried to make this like some kind of protest thing and, that dude from SSD had a, you know, he had a T-shirt that says "Black Flag Matters," and that was definitely insensitive. I think that, yeah, that's a, that's ignorant. You know, I know Boston is kind of like a right-wing like city in some ways, so I don't know, man. Who knows where the fuck that guy lives anyway? If, you know, fuck him too, man. You know, it's like, I don't know, man. Punk and hardcore used to be about, you know, it was kind of anti-right-wing, really you know, and, and about being progressive and new ideas. And like, I don't know, man, like some of these older aging, hardcore rock stars, I think have lost the script along the way. And, um, I mean, honestly, man, the, I've never been about these reunions. I think it's like, you know, not, not that cool and kind of pathetic where you're resting on the laurels of something that you were involved with like back in 1985 and in 2021. You're singing the same songs. Not, you haven't put out a new record that anyone gives a shit about. You haven't put out anything creatively that's good. And I'm talking about John Joseph specifically because like literally the only thing that that guy's done that he's been involved with that has any value to me personally is Age of Quarrel by Chromax. And he wasn't even the guy who wrote the, the record. I mean, he, there's demos of Harley singing all those songs. There was a, another dude who was in the band before John Joseph. And in my opinion, he's like a you know, pretty talentless guy. You know, not a good singer. Not a, not a very good front man. I mean, whatever. You know, I know that everyone worships that guy. But to me, I'm not really impressed. You know what I mean? I think Harley Flanagan is way more impressive. He created the band. He's an incredible bass player. He's a great musician. I mean, even his version, you know, the Chromags, which is the real Chromags, which is out right now, is like made up of members who actually were in the band, like legitimately. You know, and um, the new music that they've done, I think, is is cool. It's good. I I have I own it. You know, I bought the vinyl. You know, I back it. I think it sounds 
It doesn't just sound like a rehashing of yeah, man, let's let's do one for the you know the old school. Like it sounds like guys who are writing music that they enjoy playing. Can't say Blood Clot is any good. You know, Chromag's JM is like a cover band basically. You know, I, I, that dude should just let it go. I think, in my opinion. But enough about him. Um, I think those guys probably should have waited. And as far as uh, I've gotten some some messages, some DMs, uh, where this dude was telling me that some of these like young kids were trying to connect like uh, you know DMS with some sort of like national socialist like uh, you know white power kind of uh, thing, and. You know, in this day and age of disinformation, and I'm not, uh, you know, a proponent of any of this, like, you know, street stuff, really. I mean, I, I I am so far removed from urban violence or gangs or any of that kind of stuff. And, like, I'm not, you know, I, I didn't even grow up in New York City. I grew up in the suburbs, man. I'm not, you know, I, I'm like, uh, you know, one of these, like, uh, sword and sorcery, like, heavy metal guys. You know, I, I'm a... I backed into hardcore and punk. It wasn't my main thing. And I certainly didn't get involved in, to, to any real degree into any of the politics of the punk rock crew mentality or any of that kind of stuff. It's got nothing to do with me. But all I can say is that DMS is like primarily made of Latin guys, which is like, I mean, it, New York City, to its credit, the New York City hardcore scene is... I'm going to make a statement and say it's probably one of the most diverse scenes in the entire world. I mean, you got black people, you got Latin people, you got white people, you got, you know, it's, you know, maybe it's a little, you know, weighted towards men, but, you know, whatever, man, that's, there are a lot of women involved, you know. But I've always felt that that scene was very diverse and, um, you know, national socialism and like white power has never really been been uh, tolerated in New York City so I guess like that inquiry that this guy made to search is is like I I can tell you from my point of view that's like uh you're chasing like a you know like that's like a lost cause to chase really as far as New York hardcore goes but you know I'm I'm the last guy you want to ask about that stuff you know what I mean Mike Scandato my my co-host over at Necro is probably the guy to talk to about those things. And um, so anyone out there who's like gearing up to confront me about any of these things, like, um, you know, by, by all means, feel free to contact me, but I don't ever present myself as an authority on hardcore music or New York hardcore specifically. Um, I don't present myself as an expert on anything really, but, uh, but there you go. Um, but yeah, man, it's, um, it's been a trip. I, that's all I could say. And I'm glad that it looks like things are, are winding down when it comes to this pandemic. And uh, I just think back to like when I was sitting in that apartment in New York and I'm like, man, you know, like actually before that, we were, we had a show booked with um, in Staten Island with a Vulcan. And it was the very beginning of the, of the pandemic. And it was like, okay, well, they're they're banning shows. They're they're shutting down shows that are greater than five hundred capacity rooms. So like, well, okay, well, our our venue is less than five hundred, so it's probably going to happen. This is like the mentality we were having. And then the Napalm Death Tour 
we were just like, oh, well, it's only certain states that are shutting it down and maybe this tour is still going to happen. And it, they didn't cancel that tour to like the bitter end, man. So, you know, up until the closures and all this like lockdown stuff that was going on, that tour was still all systems go until like the very end. And I guess like at some point an executive decision was made to shut the whole thing down. But just the idea that we were still thinking about going out on the road in the midst of all this stuff is, is pretty insane. And then thinking about like, well, what's summer going to be like, man? Like, you know, what are the holidays going to be like? Like looking, trying to look forward. And then I just remember hitting a point where I didn't look forward anymore. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like think maybe 10, 20 minutes into the future or maybe tomorrow and not try to look into the future and plan anything because nothing, you know, most likely I'm just going to be sitting right here three months from now. And that, that probably was like the biggest toll that took on me is because I'm all about action and moving and doing things and going places and, you know, forward momentum, I guess. And to not have that as part of my life was pretty devastating to not have goals to look forward to and be like, all right, we're going to be doing this tour. I mean, yeah, we, we recorded under sullen skies and got that out, which is great. And I, I'm very proud of that record, but you know, I guess in a way I'm old school because like to me making records was just, is just a way to, it's like a flyer for touring. Like you make a record and that's like something that you can get behind for playing live. So that was gone, you know, and then as a result of that, I started realizing how much of my, my social connectivity with people relied on touring. Cause I would, yeah, I would bank on being out on the West coast, like, you know, twice a year, man. Like I'd be out in LA, San Francisco and see my friends and connect with people. And that would happen like at least once or twice a year, I'd be out there, you know, and the same thing, you know, we haven't actually done a proper European tour in a while, but we did a bunch of flying festival things and I'd see my friends in Europe and that kind of stuff. And now it's just like everyone seems so far away, you know, and, and, uh, the lack of physical connection with people like was, you know, and, and, and it's, it's actually, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to take something positive out of this whole thing. And I guess like, you know, for most of my life, I've considered myself a loner. I'm like, you know, I don't like being around people like this kind of, you know, mindset. And now I'm realizing that it's nice to have the opportunity to see people and it, it to be a choice that you could be alone. You know, it's, a, it's, you know, even when things go back to being out and about, I'm probably going to choose to stay by myself for a lot of that time too, because I do enjoy being on my own. But when that opportunity or that, that decision is made for you that you have to stay home, that fucks with you emotionally. And there's a huge mental psychic toll that is a result of that. So, I mean, today's Saturday. It's a beautiful day out. I went to the grocery store, bought some stuff, you know, some groceries, you know, if you will. But uh, I'm thinking about, I'm still like, I, I, the idea of connecting with people is, 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 uh, is challenging to me at right now. You know, I, I've like given up for like the last 14 or 15 months on trying to 
maintain any kind of like social connection with a lot of people, man. Just, you know, talk on the phone or maybe email or text or whatever. But now it's like, okay, so what do you do? Now, now that I'm fully vaccinated and I just read in the paper that, you know, the CDC is like basically saying if you're fully vaccinated, you can unleash yourself on the world again. It's like, well, what, what do I do? Who do I, how do I make, how do, how do I start that? How do I restart my social connection? You know, there's no shows to go to yet, which is like primarily how I would see people. You know, I've never really been one to like, hey man, why don't you come over to my house and hang out? You know, that's never really been my, my, my way, if you will. Um, yeah, so maybe I need to learn that skill. You know, maybe that's something I need to like incorporate into my life. It's like trying to reach out to people and over, you know, overcome my own insecurities about that stuff too. You know, I don't know. The next few months are going to be very interesting. I think as far as shows go, we've been trying to organize this thing in Brooklyn at this place called the arrogant swine. Um, that's where actually day two of the mad ball, uh, you know, pandemic, uh, (laughs) onslaught that was like this that was the show that no one seemed to care about there was like this big show at Tompkins Square Park which you know they they got their uh, permits and the cops were you know monitoring everything and you know there was they did everything legally to do that show that's the one that got the big backlash but there was another show the next day at this small spot that's like 150 cap outdoor type of thing which I've never been to but it's somewhere in Bushwick not a peep about that place so that's where, yeah, you know, we were trying to organize a show sometime in August, but that doesn't look like it's going to happen. I mean, not because that the venue has presented us with certain dates. We just couldn't f- find enough willing participants as far as putting a bill together. So I think we're backing out of that. But um, there's going to be a tour this fall uh, to be determined how long or what cities it's actually going to be going to. Uh, it's going to be short for sure. And um, that'll be announced, you know, as in the coming months as things solidify. But uh, even even that, it's been like a lot of bands still don't want to go out on the road until 2022, which I get it. You know, I mean, I mean, that's why I guess we're, we're, we're trying to keep this thing kind of modest, you know, as far as like scope. Because, you know. Who knows who's going to even, if anyone is going to show up at any of these shows. I mean, people in, in November, people still might be uh, concerned, you know. I don't think so. I mean, I believe that people are waiting <laughs> to like, for any green light to go out there and start raging, you know. And I know I am. I am, for sure. You know, it's, uh, but still in all, um, you know, we don't really, ha- we have a, a basic routing. It's all going to be northeast. You know, I think we're going to go west a little bit. We're going to go a little bit into the south, but not far. We're not straying too far from home. In case all things go to hell, we're like maybe a dry, like a, one, a day's drive away from the, you know, from Jersey. So it's not going to be too bad in case things tank completely. But, uh, you know, it's financially, it's like the thing that, you know, like, you guys got to understand too is um you know similar to the guy who criticized us for having a short you know live video this stuff costs money man you know it's not like you know i want to do something good i want to present a good solid 
thing to people. Uh, to make that video cost a lot of money. You know, uh, we were given a budget and we did everything we could to stay within that budget. To go on the road, there's a certain dollars per day that you need to be able to make. You know, otherwise uh, you're you're not going to be able to do it. You know, and it's um, so that that's going to be uh, what dictates the scope of this um this foray in the fall. Uh, and I understand promoters reluctant to guarantee money because you know it's the same for the same reason that we're reluctant. You know, bands are reluctant to go on tour. No one knows who's going to show up. This is like a whole new playing field now. At least, at least for now, until you know it's it's uh it's been confirmed that it is safe to be out there again. So yeah, I mean that's that's the plan. Um, over the next few months, we have a brand new song which we wrote and recorded, and is going to be out as a single. Uh, the idea is that um, by the time we hit the road, <laughs> the record will be one year old. So, yeah, we had this song. It's going to come out probably just digital only at first. Uh, it's called Ex Oblivion, and um, it's a single, you know, and, and it's going to have to be determined what else is going to be on this uh, release, but it's going to be a digital release at first, and then so at some point next year we're, we're planning to make uh, some kind of physical copy, you know, a vinyl kind of thing. But... You know, the idea is that at least we'll have something that's current and not just touring off of something that's a year old. And, uh, you know, in case anyone forgot that we still existed, you know, I know people's attention spans are very short these days. It'll remind people that, hey, man, we're still around. We're still, you know, we're still making material, making songs and trying to do good in the world, you know, and that's basically it. So thanks for indulging me on this. Um, I hope everyone's safe. Um, I hope everyone stays safe. And before too long, man, I hope to see you guys out there on the road. So take care and be well. Hey,